0: How are you now? How are you now? I I thought the series was over, wasn't it? Isn't that what everybody's been saying? The series is over. Montreal lost the first game 4-1. to one. Obviously, there's no way they're going to be able to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. No chance. They're going to get manhandled. Vegas in four, right? Isn't that what everybody's been saying? Wrong. Wrong! Your Montreal Canadiens take game two three to 3-2. We're going back to Montreal with the series tied at one. Welcome to episode 13 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am ecstatic that we're going back to Montreal with this series split. I think that is probably the best case scenario for these Montreal Canadiens. I mean, obviously the absolute best case scenario would have been to take both of the games in Vegas and and go back up to nothing, but I think we can all agree that was an unlikely scenario and I'm calling this uh, an absolute win for the Habs to be going back to Montreal tied at 1 I mentioned after game 1 that you know they needed to try and figure out how to turn their great first period into a full 60 I don't think they quite did that I wouldn't call that uh, game 2 a full 60 from them but it was closer it was better than game 1 that's for sure in terms of how they played outside of the first period first period starts out Habs, just like they did in game one, look dominant. They're clearly the better team through that 20 minutes. They're getting most of the shots, most of the scoring chances. Uh, honestly, they look like the better team. We get about six minutes in. Joel Edmondson tries to take a shot uh, coming down from the point. It gets partially blocked. Kicks out to the other side to, to Yoel Armia. He's basically got a wide open net. Fires it in. one nothing. Habs. We're off and running. Habs continue to essentially dominate the period, right? About 10 minutes go by, you know, they're getting, again, most of the scoring chances, most of the shots on goal. Vegas is not really able to do anything at all. They had a few chances, but Price is playing well. About 10 minutes later, uh, Cole Caulfield. Who knew this kid wanted to be a playmaker? But he is. Comes in on the right side, sells a shot to everybody, including Marc-André Fleury, and slides it over to Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli doesn't get full wood on it. Uh, probably a shot that Fleury should have had. But it's hard to blame him when Caulfield did such a good job selling that shot. Toffoli benefits from the hard shot sell. And the Habs are up 2 nothing. We're feeling spectacular at this point. Habs have a two-goal lead. That's the way the first period ends. Of course, a good thing that they had a lead coming out of the first period. Because that seems to be their best period. And the second period... Not so much. As soon as that period started, Vegas started implementing a lot of their game plan. Now they're getting all the shots. They're getting all the scoring chances. And the Habs are kind of holding on for dear life. Right? I mean, I think it took maybe, I want to say, eight minutes into the period before the Habs even got one on goal. I could be wrong about that. But it felt like at least eight minutes before they actually put one on Fleury and made him do anything. But luckily for the Habs, they get good goaltending from Carey Price. Uh, some key clears out of the zone. Playing pretty well defensively. And not much happens for most of that period. About three minutes to go in the period. Paul Byron gets a breakaway. Lord Byron goes to the backhand. Takes it up top. Roof daddy. It's 3-0 Montreal. Now we're feeling better than spectacular. We're feeling, We're feeling extraordinary at this point. But hang on. Just about a minute later Defensive zone faceoff Left of Carey Price Golden Knights win it Gets it back to Alex Petrangelo Fires a seeing eye shot Through traffic that nobody saw Go in until the red light was on 3-1 That's the way the second period ends We're still feeling pretty good We may be gone from extraordinary back down to spectacular Because we got a two goal lead and we're heading into the third But for sure it took a little bit Of the wind out of the sails there Get into the third period, now the Habs don't have the long change anymore. Now they're starting to look a little bit better. They're getting back to uh, pretty close to what they were doing in the first period, but the Knights are pushing. They want to get back into this thing. So for sure, a lot more of an even game than we saw in the first, but Habs playing a lot better than they did in the second. But again, with about five and change left to play in the game, Joel Edmondson ices the puck. Bad icing. He had time, he had space, no reason to ice that one. But he does, goes down to the other end again, once again, defensive zone draw, Habs lose it, gets back to Alex Petrangelo, he scores, 3-2, uh oh, can't let this happen. Thankfully the Habs don't, they ratchet down defensively, they played great for the final 5 minutes after that, they really didn't give much up, Carey Price was there when he needed to be, and the Habs closed it out. Great game, honestly. I wouldn't, again, quite call it a full 60. I think that they have a better game in them to play for a full 60 minutes, but they clearly learned some lessons from what they did in the first period of game one. They applied those lessons, they got three goals, and they were able to hold on from there. If you get three goals with Carey Price playing the way that he's playing right now, more often than not, it's going to end up being enough. I'd like to see them score a little bit more, of course, but when Carey Price is giving you that kind of quality goaltending that he's able to give, you just need to give him some run support and then let him take it from there. And he did. I will say that one lesson that they clearly have not learned is how to defend these set plays that the Knights are doing off of face-offs in their own, in their own zone. I mean, that's two goals in Game 2 that came off of defensive zone faceoffs for the Habs. Two goals that they scored in Game 1 were also off defensive zone faceoffs. They either need to win every faceoff in their defensive zone or they need to figure out how to defend some of these set plays that the Knights are running. And the set plays are not exactly super fancy most of the time. I mean, both of them tonight were just Petrangelo point shots. And obviously, he's a great player, got a great shot, but like, they have to figure out a way to get out to the point after those faceoffs because clearly, Vegas is making a point of it. They're a big team. They're getting a lot of traffic in front of Price, and I, I can't fault him on either of the goals that Petrangelo scored. Lots of traffic, impossible for him to see it, impossible for him to stop it. I mean, I don't know what more he could have possibly done in either of those situations. So the Habs are going to have to, again, either win every single faceoff in their zone or figure out how to D-up those plays. Get somebody out to the point like as fast as humanly possible as soon as the puck gets dropped. I don't know. I mean, uh, if, if I had the answers, maybe they'd give me the head coaching job. I do speak French, so I guess I meet at least one of the qualifications. Probably not any of the ones that really matter, though. Uh, But nobody asked me, and I don't think anybody's going to ask me. I think that's something they're going to have to figure out on their own. One thing they can't figure out on their own is the abysmal officiating from that game. It was one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen. I mean, at one point... Corey Perry was down on the ice, right? He like fell down, he's kind of on top of the puck, and everybody's jamming at it, and Ryan Reeves just speared him right in the berries. No call. End of the game. Joel Edmondson goes into the boards. Uh, William Carlson takes a run at him from behind. Clearly, easily a boarding call. No call. They did call a holding against Armia in the second period, and the, like it was definitely a penalty. It's a fair penalty to call, but I saw at least three or four times, Vegas doing an extremely similar play against the Habs and they weren't calling it. So, again, I think what Armia did was a penalty, but it's not a penalty if you're letting the other team do the exact same goddamn thing. I saw at one point Ryan Reeves literally pulled, I forget who it was, I want to say Perry, but like pulled him backwards. I mean, if that's not a hold, then how can you call the same thing on Armia later in the game? I... I don't know. I hope that Dominique Charme has something to say about the officiating. And you know what? If he gets fined, I'll start a GoFundMe, and I'll personally help donate money to pay for that fine because somebody's got to say something about that officiating. I mean, nobody cares what I think, and they're not going to find me because I'm not employed by the NHL, so I can say whatever I want. But I, I hope that somebody from the Habs says something about it, and then we can all help pay their fine, even though they're millionaires. Screw it. We'll help them pay it. Because somebody's got to say it. I mean, that was brutal officiating. The Habs overcame it. Uh, They didn't allow any of those penalties to hurt them. Uh, Penalty killing was fantastic. Fantastic. Which is a good sign, considering how bad the officiating's been. Uh, You know, I feel like somebody's got to say something about that. It's it's brutal. Uh, It has to change. But I digress. I think I do enough complaining about the officiating. What went well? Who played amazingly? I'll tell you who played great. Uh, Jeff Petrie, coming back from an injury, with his eyes looking like he was on the electric lettuce all day. I mean, he played amazing. He looked fantastic. Joel Edmondson, uh, outside of that boneheaded icing that caused the second goal for the uh, Knights, he looked great. Fantastic. Honestly, can't even really fault him for the icing when he played that well the rest of the game. Shea Weber, Uh, turning back the clock, man, looking like he did last year in the bubble, in those playoffs, looking great. How about up front? I mean, the top line of Philippe Dano with Brennan Gallagher and Arturi Lekanen, who would have thought that you could put Lekanen on that line and they would still be just as effective, if not more effective, than they were when Thomas Tatar was playing there? I mean, shout out Thomas Tatar. I don't really believe that he deserved to get taken out of the lineup, but... You don't mess with success, and that is working right now. Lekkanen is so versatile. So versatile. He can kill penalties. He's great defensively. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't get the gaudy offensive totals, so whatever contract he signs in this offseason, he's going to end up being underpaid. Uh, And hopefully, it's Montreal that gets that contract because uh, I'd love to see him back, and I'd love to see him on a longer-term deal uh, get some really good value out of him. But... Uh, Great game from them on the top line. And how about the fourth line? Corey Perry with Eric Stahl and Yoel Armia. Amazing line, man. They're just... The the game that they've brought in the playoffs has been a breath of fresh air, man. You can roll four lines with this team. You have no hesitation putting out your fourth line because you know that they're going to give you a good shift every time. You know that they can get the puck in deep and they can cycle it. Uh, I mean they can chip in offensively there's nothing that they can't do for you and it's such a benefit for the Habs that they don't have to shelter any of their lines you can send out the fourth line against anybody Vegas has and they're probably going to do all right then in the middle of that you have the uh Nick Suzuki Cole Caulfield and Tyler Toffoli line just straight danger straight danger they can hurt you uh Caulfield, for my money, is my player of the game. I mean, that that sell that he did on the shot alone, if that was the only thing he did all night, he would get my player of the game because he sold it so perfectly and slid it over. Again, a shot that Fleury probably would like to have back, but the reason it went in is because he was so committed to that shot. He thought a shot was coming from Cole Caulfield and Caulfield just pulled a fast one, slid it over to Foley for an easy one. I mean, great game from him, and it wasn't just that either. He was, you know, retrieving pucks. He's just creating havoc in the offensive zone. He's he's a lot quicker at the NHL level than I thought he would look. I mean, he's he's playing beyond his years, and to have him with two super talented players like Suzuki and Toffoli, I mean, that's super dangerous second line to have out there. It's it's great. Habs look great. They have a way better chance in this series than anybody was giving them, especially after game one when everybody was out there uh, on Twitter and everywhere else saying, yeah, this series is over, the Habs are going to get steamrolled. Nope. Nope. They're in this. They proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that they belong in these semifinals. A lot was made about the fact that, oh, the North Division was weak and that's the reason that the Habs got through and uh, anybody coming out of that division is just going to get killed against one of these stronger teams. Not the case. Not the case whatsoever. They came out, uh, at least in the first period of Game 1 and throughout the course of Game 2, they proved that they belong there. They proved that they do have the ability of beating this Vegas team. If they haven't shown you that by now, I don't know what else they need to show you. Just to give a little context, I don't, I don't like to get too much into stats on this podcast, but although Vegas outshot the Habs and they had more shot attempts, most of that was done in the second and third periods when they were already down. So score effects, right? If you look at scoring chances, the Habs had fifty-seven 57%, 57.14% of the scoring chances, 65.22% of the high danger scoring chances, and an expected goals percentage of 56 56- according to natural stat trick. The Habs were the better team in this game overall. And now they get to take the series back to Montreal where the Vegas Golden Knights have had some trouble on the road in these playoffs. They've played better in their barn than they have on the road. So, massive opportunity for the Habs. If they can come out hard on Friday night and take that game, it'll give them a legitimate chance to take a 3-1 series lead before the series shifts back to Vegas, which would be huge. It'd be huge to give them that opportunity, and maybe, just maybe, they can get to a Stanley Cup final. I, I've been a fan of this team for all of my 31 years on this planet, and the last time that they were in a Stanley Cup final was 93, and I don't remember it. I'd be so incredibly happy just to see it, uh, this imagine what it would do for this city like everything that's happened with covid the province has been on lockdown for what feels like forever and we're just coming out of it and now we have the montreal canadians you know bringing life back to the city it's you know obviously it's it's still a dream at this point but when you look at these first two games against the knights honestly they can do it we just have to have a little faith in them and i think so far in these playoffs they've earned a little faith from us so we got to give it to them we got another game coming up on friday night it's a huge game they're all huge games sounds kind of silly to even call it a huge game at this point because they're all huge let's face it but this is a massive opportunity for the canadians to to let their home ice give them a chance to take this series and move on that's it for this episode uh Running around 17 minutes this time. So you know soirée pour les employés de soutien for sure. Uh we will see you again after Friday's game. We're on Spotify, we're on megaphone, we're on Apple, we're on Google Play, we're on all platforms basically at this point. Uh so I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a line. Uh I've been doing plenty of ref complaining in my Twitter, so if you're into that. We can complain about the refs together, absolutely, 100%. I love doing that. But hopefully they give us a little bit less to complain about on Friday night. I'm hopeful. Uh, But we're going to find out. So, you know, as always, à la prochaine.